Uh, we're going to look at, at the book of Matthew. Uh, if you can turn there with me, of course, it'll be on the screen. Another shout out to our AV team for always having it in the right version. Even when I read it in the wrong version, you always have it there for us. Um, and if you brought a hard copy, turn with us to the book of Matthew again, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Last week, we talked about uh, from the, the, the Luke um, commentary on the birth of Jesus, how he reaches the untouchable, the unreachable. And since his birth, really, he was very familiar with the untouchable in that he spent his time after birth in an animal trough. And so we talked about how from then and certainly throughout his life, he was very familiar with what society might deem the untouchable, the unreachable. Uh, and in a very real sense, all of us fit that description of being the untouchable. Scripture says our sins were as scarlet. And, and lest he shed his blood on Calvary's cross, we'd be in some trouble. But because he did, we're washed white as snow. So all of us were unreachable, are unreachable, are untouchable to somebody except Jesus. He says, my arms are never too short to find you where you are. And so we thank God for that and that continuing uh, narrative that we celebrate. And we want to look at the account this week of the Magi. Uh, a little bit more well-off than the shepherds who were called last week who didn't have anything to bring. Uh, the Magi did have something to bring, and we want to kind of approach this Christmas season and this last Sunday of Advent through uh, this text. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, which hopefully you found by now, and if not, is on the screen. And before we read, let me just slow down and pause and pray. Lord, help us as we study your word. Open our eyes so we can see all that is in your word. Unless you open, we can't hear or see. Soften our hearts so that which you have for us cannot just be heard and, and remain head knowledge, but that it would literally drop at 18 or whatever inches from our head to our heart and can be applied to our lives as you would want it to be. We thank you for your word by which we live. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And if you don't mind reading with me, we'll start with chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and fouled out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Turn to at least one neighbor and just encourage them to make the trip. Make the trip. How many of y'all show of hands are going to still be traveling? I know you're here today, but anybody traveling a little bit for the, for the Christmas season? Uh, prayers for safe travels, certainly, for all of you. Um, I was at the gym yesterday, and when I was catching my breath, some of my classmates were here. We were catching our breath together for a moment. Um, I was having a conversation with um, uh, someone about travel during the Christmas season, and, and one of them had a friend who was in this season going to be traveling like eight, 900 miles by car with little children. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you, it was like this moment of like, oh, the blood of Jesus <laughs> be with you. Glad it's not me. But then I was reminded of the time we traveled um, to New Jersey because we were taking a cruise and we, for whatever reason, didn't want to fly out of Florida or go to Florida and sail out of Florida. So we found a, uh, a cruise ship that would leave out of New Jersey. All of my side of the family was there. Taylor was there. We had one little girl uh, at the time, and then she was pregnant with our second one. So some free premarital advice for anybody in the room. This was one of those decisions that kind of links with the one I shared a few weeks ago when I had Taylor walking in Home Depot when she was having contractions every 10 steps. This is in that boat. But nonetheless, we went on this cruise with my family because we love them and we love each other and she really loved me. And we got on this boat and the seas were so choppy and rough. It was not fun. <laughs> and we're on this boat literally every however many minutes we're doing this, you know, holding on to, and the waiters are doing this, holding on to whatever it is they're bringing to us. And one of them, I'll never forget, said to me, you know, man, we, cho- we, 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 we had to be here. We work here. You chose to come <laughs> and be on this ship. Everybody's seasick and it was just crazy. But we did so because there was some appreciation for the quality family time we would have with my side of the family. There was something we felt worth it at the time that prompted us to do that. And all of us, I think, in one way, shape, or form are traveling, if I can use that metaphor for a bit, far and wide for what we think is worth it, for what we think is beneficial, for what we feel like is worth all of the effort that might go into such travel. We go to school for a really long time because we feel like, you know what, it is going to be worth it when we get to where we want to go. We love on our son and daughters-in-laws because we want to see our grandchildren. (laughs) That was kind of a joke, but maybe a little too close (laughs) for some grandparents in the room. That never happens. Um, But we endure stuff on the job, maybe. Maybe because we have a real passion for the work that we do, and so it overwhelms the frustration that might come about in the work that we do. If we don't have a compassion for the work we do, maybe it's because we value really high the lights that we get to have on at home. And so we continue to endure and make that trip, if you will, to the work that we do. Which reminds me of a guy many, many years ago. I worked at a high school. He's um, a teacher. He, 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 he didn't want to make the trip. And so he wrote on the board, I quit. <laughs> and he walked out and we never saw him again. Um, <laughs> No reference letter, clearly, for that dude. But most of us will make the trip through a lot of 
different things. We'll make the trip as parents through whatever ER visits or discipline referrals if they come home with that or any other challenge. We're journeying for our kids because we love them. So the truth is we have together this figurative and very literal long way as well to Jesus. And I think to be clear, to set as a a foundation or backdrop that, that many of us, I'm sure, already know, the gap that was created by mankind's sin could never be traversed by us and our efforts by any stretch. It was only bridged by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And through that conciliatory work, we then are reconciled to him. But we get the privilege through our faith to travel. We get the privilege through our trust in Jesus to travel to him in the work that he did on our behalf. Trip of expectation, the trip of excitement toward a loving heavenly father in Jesus Christ. We get to make the trip through our busyness, through our self-doubt, through our church hurt. We get to make the trip through loss. We get to, we get to, we have the opportunity to travel with our faith to a Jesus who traveled a whole lot on our behalf. So the encouragement this morning, the singular encouraging point this morning is for us to make the trip because he is worthy. Our text talks about this group of individuals called the Magi. And at 930 this morning, I asked our volunteer team, who were they? Who were the Magi? And I might just do that, a little popcorn action. Who were the Magi? What do you know about the Magi? Just anything. I'll take 10 seconds so the awkward silence won't make it too awkward for folks. But who were the Magi? Who do you all know them to be? Astronomers. Astronomers. Wise men. men. Anything else? They came from the east. We'll go with those three. Wise men, astronomers came from the east. Right in the notes. They were rich, well-off, well-educated. Last week we talked about the shepherds and we talked about on the social ladder and where they fell, not so high. This week we're talking about the Magi. God speaks to all of us. He cares about all of us. He'll meet all of us where we are. And the Magi were a bit more well-educated, a bit more well-off. They were astronomers from the east. I don't know that there were three. That doesn't come from scripture, though if you're pumping We Three Kings, I'll rock out to it. It's a nice hymn. But we don't know that from, from Scripture that there were three, actually. There, there's a thought that there could have been many of the Magi. We don't know that they were kings necessarily, though if you want to study it and have conversation about it, Isaiah 60 verse 3 is often the Scripture on which the king narrative is based. I'm not convinced that they're speaking of the Magi as kings necessarily, but that's neither here nor there for the point we're making this morning. But interesting conversation nonetheless. The Magi were astronomers, astrologers, philosophers, well-educated Uh, uh, from the east, and we don't even know specifically what that means, though Persia and modern-day Iran are thought to be perhaps where the east is referring to. But I want to pause again to reiterate how God will meet us where we are. He'll meet us in our craft. I told our discipleship group this morning a story of my oldest brother who went to the Air Force Academy and graduated and, and had a long career in the military and then went to D.C. to do some government contracting work. And, and in that business, he was working for a company for, for whom he was responsible for a large portfolio. And he was uh, sleeping one night and dreaming uh, about this contract that meant a lot of revenue for this company. And in his dream, he saw a book, literally, pages turning, and the pages just stopped and It was almost like a finger pointed to a mistake that he had made that was going to cost that company a lot of money. 
went into the office the next day, went to that page, sure enough, it was an error that he had made. He fixed it. Instead of losing money, there was money made. God will meet you. And that marked him. He knew Jesus. But God will meet us in ways that can mark us right where we are. So he said, hey, you study stars? I'm going to bring a big old light <laughs> so that you can't miss who I am and what's going to be happening. These magi saw the star one day, and they decided it's going to be worth it for us to go see the long-awaited Messiah. I love to, another quick parenthetical, how we can be reminded through Scripture that we're not God, like we're not Jesus. Like even though I think September 17th, 1979 ought to be a national holiday, Kate, I think it should be. Um, people came from 30 miles away, New York City to Long Island to see me. <laughs> When I was born, maybe they did. I don't know. There were no stars announcing my birth. We're not him. Just another reminder just of where we sit and where he is. Moving on. They saw his star, and in response, they traveled to the east. Again, not much specificity as to exactly where in the east they came from, though uh, it's thought that they came from Persia, which would mean about an 800 to 900-mile trip. How did they know? to follow. It could be, for further study, that they were aware of the Hebrew scripture, and they had read and were familiar with Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27, which includes a timeline of the birth of the Messiah. Or it could be that they were familiar with Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17, which is a prophecy of Balaam that specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob. But they knew something. They expected something, or someone, rather, such that they traveled that far to see a baby. Jesus was worthy of their making a trip. Turn to a different neighbor and say, make the trip. Make the trip. Their journey brought them to Jerusalem, where they would then ask some folks, just as we walk through the text here, hey, we saw the star. We're looking for the king of the Jews and King Herod and many in Jerusalem were not as excited as the Magi were. They were actually disturbed, though they pretended as though they were excited. And I think the scary part for them and for you and I is when there are those who might know Scripture, and maybe this is you now, and you'll use Scripture. It says when they went and asked them about it that, that King Herod gathered all of the different theologians essentially together, and they went to Scripture to answer the question. So there was some level of belief in what Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, forgive me because I think a couple of weeks ago I said verse 9. I apologize. It's verse 2 in chapter 5 of Micah. They knew enough to go there to point to what was about to happen, that the king of the Jews would be born in Bethlehem. So they relied enough on Scripture in that sense to answer a question, but they did not rely enough on Scripture to trust him. I think telling when Scripture kind of butts up against our own uh, ambition, perhaps King Herod wasn't having it. Another king coming up into my space here, not having it. Or our tendencies or um, sinful indulgences, perhaps, and when it butts up against that, we get a choice to make. This is cool, Micah 5 and 2, I get that. I know that that's going to answer the question to where he is. But this other stuff about forgiving folks, <laughs> well, this other stuff about a soft word turning away wrath, this other stuff about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know about all that. That's bumping up against something. That's scary, almost like a dead faith, these individuals who were able to answer the question to lead the Magi 
had, but then it didn't lead them to trusting in God. So after the Magi interacted with King Herod, they continued on their way. In verse 9, sort of the latter part of verse 9 says, And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10 says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Before they even saw Jesus. I never really picked up on that in the years of reading this. I just, it kind of hit me this time through. They hadn't even gotten to him yet. Their breakthrough hadn't come yet. If I can come to where we sit. Things might have still been messed up in their personal lives. But the nearness of Jesus, it says they were overjoyed just at seeing the star. Weeping might endure for the night, scripture says, but joy comes in the, and we don't wait till the battle is over. We shout now because we know the fight is fixed. Oh, my, they teach us something here and how they even before getting to him were overjoyed. It's like yesterday when we took a family trip to Target. We didn't even get into Target. We didn't even get there. Target, Target, you know, all the, the dances, the songs. We're in the parking lot. They had no toy in their hands yet. But my goodness, it was like Disneyland. We are at Target. Oh, my goodness. One of the kids, I'm digressing a ton now. We're going to come back. One of the kids who will remain nameless fell asleep. And uh, so I stayed in the car, and I'm, I'm sitting in the car, and they're sleeping. And all the other kids come back, so we get back in the car, and we head to the next stop in Disneyland, which is Costco. All right, it's from Target to Costco. And this one wakes up. Did we go to Target yet? And I'm like, you get to tell this one what, <laughs> what just happened. Just being near the store. My goodness. Verse 11. <laughs> and coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down. They worshiped him. They presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very expensive gifts during this time, certainly. Some would argue rare gifts, but fitting for a king. We had a dog named Tuxedo not too long ago, well, several years ago now. He was a Cocker Spaniel poodle mix. Tuxedo got whatever he wanted. I mean, sitting in my lap while I'm driving, whatever he wanted. And just yesterday, we got upset with somebody because they couldn't see us because they had a dog on their lap and kissing them all in the mountain and whatnot. And I'm like, what are you doing? You can't see. Get the dog. And I said, oh, oh. That, was, that was me. Not the kissing part. I think that's gross. But, <laughs> but you do what you do. I'm not here to preach dog love and all. But whatever you do, uh, but that just, uh, not that part. But Tuxedo was on our lap sometimes when we drove and when we went away for different trips or whatever. He, I mean, these little doggy hotels are like Marriott's, you th- right? And, we, and he got that, what we could afford. And he got the treats. He got whatever he needed, Troy. Our dog got our gold, our frankincense, and our myrrh. What am I talking about? The point here is some of us, all of us, are giving our gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The most expensive gifts that we can bring. Somebody's getting it. Something is getting it. And then something's getting the pocket lint. <laughs> the pocket lint of our time, the pocket lint of our emotional energy, the pocket lint of our finances, the pocket lint of our attention. And something's getting gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the Magi had enough presence of mind to get the rare, the most expensive. Why? Because they recognized this is a king. And what's fitting for a king is coming with us on these camels and donkeys for this eight, nine hundred mile trip because he is worthy. 
What about us? What do we bring to the one who is worthy, worthy of every bit of our praise, of our attention, of our talents? If you think back to last week in Luke 2 in the account of the shepherds, they brought nothing. They just went to see. And if you read further, Luke 2, going like past what we read last week, verse 13 and on, it says, they went to spread the gospel and they praised and they glorified him. So do not hear me saying in this context that it's all about what is in your hand because rather it's the amount of faith in your heart. He wants your heart, my heart. And if he gets that, he's got everything else. No respect of persons. The shepherds came, blessed. Great light shone. God spoke to them. The Magi, I'll come and speak to you too. And you got a little more mean, so I'm going to need you to come on with what you got and present it as a part of me having your heart already. Not a part of the sermon this morning, but we can go further. We talked about a little bit in the 930 discipleship moment, which you're welcome to at any point to come. How it funded, in many ways, Joseph and Mary's trip because they weren't really well off. And I thought, huh. Note to self, God, when you bless me, it ain't really for me. How might I present gold, frankincense, and myrrh unto you through other people? In this season, Kate talked about cultural Christmas. What might it look like to just put an envelope in the tree? I read an article this morning about an envelope a family put in the tree, and in the envelope was just a note to who they blessed this, this season. I thought, because that's what the dad wanted. Don't want gifts. Just tell me what you did. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If blessed with it, come bearing what he's given us to give. As we close, why make the trip? The last verse, which I shouldn't skip over, so I'll mention. They were warned in a dream. Thank God. And, and, and may it be an encouragement for us to always have our ears turned toward God to hear. They were warned by God in a dream. Don't go back. Don't go back that route. They're not with you. They're not excited in the ways that you're excited. But why did they make the trip? Why bring the most expensive gifts? It's why we celebrate this season as we close out this Advent season. Because he was the Messiah spoken of by prophets hundreds of years before with accuracy that still blows my mind. Because he'd be the one that would bring for them some circumstantial relief for you and for me. We often pray that, God, I need help. He'd be the one who would come to open up blind eyes, heal the lame, heal the sick, raise the dead. He would be the one born to a virgin Mary, making him eligible then to atone for our sins once and for all, to do just that because he'd go on to live a sinless life. Why did they come? There was an acknowledgement on some level that he's not like the rest And I pray this morning for you and for me that we would make the trip. We would make the trip through what I do not and never will minimize our difficult times of life. In the counseling world, we we talk about ego defense mechanisms a lot. And one of those is intellectualization. And I'm the biggest cheerleader for going and getting your education. I'm an educator. My kids read, read, read. And... We know that intellectualizing things can often be a coping mechanism, sometimes adaptive and helpful, and other times it keeps you from or it distorts or denies the reality that you're really in. And so some of us, maybe it's traversing the terrain of intellectualization and all the trips you're making or not making to get to Jesus because this is the ego defense mechanisms aren't allowing you and me to receive 
the reality of Jesus' coming and presence in our lives. Maybe it's loss. I referenced church hurt earlier just to try to get on our role and where we're living. My prayer is that we all make the trip, that we put God in his rightful place on the throne of our lives where he wants to rule and reign, but he's a gentleman. He just, he invites us to receive him. And this morning, I pray afresh that we would place him where he belongs, make the trip, relational dysfunction, financial difficulty, mental health challenges, loss of life, keep making the trip because he's worthy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, for your word, for your coming, for your being the reason why even amidst the craziness and busyness of our lives, we can say Merry Christmas. Not because we weren't in ER this past week, because we were. It's not because we didn't find out about somebody who's in hospice because we did. It's not because of the, 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 the myriad of things that don't feel good. But it's because, Lord, you conquered death in the grave. And because you did, we too, like Romans 8 says, can be more than conquerors through you. We can live with hope. And so it's a Merry Christmas because of you. Help us through the challenges we face, through the difficulty to make to make the trip to a king who is worthy of every bit of it and to come bearing what we have, the best of what we have for a king worthy of nothing less. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying to yourselves, I, I never even saw the star, so to speak. I never even thought about making the trip to Jesus until now. The good news is today's a great day to make a great decision. If you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. We just want to pray with you here in this moment. I see that hand. Once it's up, you can put it down. Those of you who have raised your hands, those live streaming, if you're on your couch and you raised your hand, just pray these words after me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for forgiving me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And today I commit to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin and to follow you with all of my heart. I recognize that it does not mean a storm-free life, but that it does mean in you a storm-proof one. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We like at Victory Church to acknowledge that part of Scripture that says angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner's repentance, and we don't like to leave them lonely. So can we just say thank you to our Lord for those who have given their lives to Jesus this morning. For those uh, who made that decision and for those of us who made the decision and make the decision every single day, we have acronyms all over the place at Victory, one of which includes START, which I think we have somewhere in the 
the realm of slides back there. If not, I'll just go through it first. Is stop trusting in yourself. Turn away from sin. Attend a small group because how many know life alone is not cool. We need community. Uh, we want to read our Bibles every single day. Amen. And we want to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ and the ways that the Lord presents those opportunities for us to share. Also, if you made that decision, we also believe in, in walking with you in next steps. And so we have, uh, I think, two individuals who will be down front to pray with and for you um, about that decision you just made and to connect you with some materials that will help you with next steps. And here at Victory, we have Victory groups that you can get connected to to do just that. If you didn't accept Jesus today, maybe you did before, but you're thinking, you know, this season is kind of crazy, Paul. Um, or the season is going really well and I want it to keep going. Whatever reason you might want to come forward and take advantage of somebody to pray with and for you, please feel free and come and take advantage of our prayer team as well. We love y'all. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming to spend this time of worship with us. Have a safe and blessed uh, Christmas season. See you next week.